0: We're going to talk about first fruit living. So I did a little bit of play on words here, right? Um, because really as you dig into, into this whole first fruits thing, I'm going to go back into the New Testament. We're going to try to understand a little bit about what first fruits stuff was like because we live in a world of apps and convenience stores and fast food restaurants and our food source gets disconnected from reality of where we live, right? So um, so. Not so. In the Old Testament, when God made the law and handed it to the people. Um, so what happened was in Leviticus, in, in Leviticus, it says when God started this whole first fruits thing, um, Leviticus 23:10, when you come into the land. When you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priests. So, in essence, what was going on is, when came harvest time, the first load, the first basket, whatever it was that came in from the field, got set aside. Now, I grew up in a uh, farm in uh, Chester County, milking cows and harvesting crops, and. I can, I can vividly remember multiple times when the hay was cut, it was all dried down, it was all ready to harvest, to, to bale up and bring into the, into the uh, barn, and there's storm clouds forming, okay? We are all hands on deck to get that harvest in before the storm hit, because the storm would ruin the harvest. I mean, there was nothing else important in that moment. On the, in that time because so much was at risk. Can you imagine in the Old, in the old Testament times when God handed this principle out to the, to the people of Israel to bring the first fruits of that harvest to the house of the Lord and give it to the priests and then go back out and finish the harvest? You have no idea what the weather's going to be like. There are so many circumstances from the, be- from the time of that first basket of harvest until the completion of the harvest. There are so many external circumstances beyond your control as a farmer that you've just got to trust God for to complete this thing and wrap it all up. This is not tithing. <laughs> tithing is when you get hundred dollars you say i 'm going to after I get that hundred i 'm going to give a tenth to the Lord first fruits is you 're going to get a hundred dollars over the course of the week, but the first ten dollars you get you give to the Lord and hope that the other ninety get harvested yeah. so I want to talk about first fruits living today because it doesn 't only include our giving, our finances, although I'm gonna talk a little bit about that. And by the way, there are no formulas this morning, so let's just breathe deep and let it all out. There are no formulas. I'm not gonna ask you to give a hundred and get a thousand back, okay? That's not what's happening, okay? You've heard the stories, you've seen it on television. We're not going there, I'm not buying it. I'm buying the blessing of God, and I'm buying walking in sonship and daughtership with a heavenly Father who's really, really rich. This is our identity. This is what we're going after. Because when we get that, what God asks us to do gets really easy. The word... The the Hebrew word, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm a business guy. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I'm going to do Hebrew, right? Um, I'm going to try. I'm not even going to say the word, but there's a single word for first fruits in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language that literally, literally translated into English means to promise to come. The promise to come. First fruits living is at a whole different level of faith than tithing. It's about bringing your best into the Lord. It's about bringing the first, and it's about saying, God, I'm going to trust you, but I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give you the first. I'm going to give you everything I've got right from from the start and trust you to take care of me on the backside. I serve in... Several nonprofit organizations, and I would venture to say that ninety that probably about sixty to seventy percent of nonprofit organizations, probably one hundred percent of nonprofit organizations get sixty to seventy percent of their income in November and December okay that's at the end of the year end of the business year, so the business people are running the spreadsheets and looking at the numbers and everything. We do it. I do it, and I'm not. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it. All I'm saying today is that's not first fruits giving. That's looking at what has happened, and giving out of what has already happened. First fruits giving is at a different level of faith. Jesus said this: "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Now. For years, I read that, and I said, okay, so where my heart is, that's going to be my treasure. So my treasure is kind of an obvious spot of where my heart is. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, put your treasure over here, and your heart will be there. Whoa. In 2001... Hurricane Hannah rolled into the Gulf. It was in the middle of cotton season in the southern states. They had harvested the first part. Hurricane Hannah dropped 15 inches of rain in the Gulf states in the middle of cotton season. Cotton doesn't like water. Rice likes water. I'm serious. Cotton doesn't like water. Bull rot set in. The fields were too wet for the the harvesters to, to go through, and they lost a lot of the crops. If we were teaching first fruits to those farmers, what would their perspective be? This is at a different faith level than tithing. Jesus, Jimmy, we should be talking more about money at church. Jesus talked more about money than any other subject, more than heaven and hell a lot more than heaven and hell because money connects to our heart. And there's very few more tangible disciplines in the Christian life than giving that, that connect with our faith and you can actually quantify it. And you could see like five years ago, my giving faith level was here and today it's here and I could put that on a spreadsheet and show that to you. Whoa. <laughs> There's my heart. <laughs> Look at that graph. That's my heart. Huh? There's a connection between your bank account and your heart and your faith and your trust in the Heavenly Father who wants to unload into you all the spiritual blessings that He's already put into your account in the heavenlies. He wants to bring it and realize it here on earth. What did he tell us to pray? That your kingdom come on earth just like it is in heaven. So that means all that stuff that he accredited to you and I in the heavenly realms (laughs) that's already under your name in that account, he wants you to work with him to download that here so that it can go there. It's not for this. It's for that. When we get that, generosity gets to be a lot of fun. It really does. I I mean, from time to time, Kim and I will just, when we're out for dinner or something like that, just like give a stupid big tip to somebody that, you know that different opportunities we've had just to pray for people that are weeping? One single mom that we didn't know we just here. She came back to our table. Did you mean to do that? Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. She goes, you have no idea. We heard her story, single mom, struggling, in the middle of a difficult time. We got to pray with her. I'm telling you, this whole first fruit stuff gets like, it opens doors. It, it will blow doors open in relationships and ministry. Like nothing else can. A couple things on first fruits giving or living. When we, when we enter into this first fruits stuff, and, and I'm gonna encourage you to tithe and, and build some regular habits. That's, I think that's 101. That should be 101. In fact, this. Um, I heard s- recent statistics, and I'm not quoting them perfectly, um, uh, number for number, but if the, if the evangelical church in North America, first of all, we give about 2 to 3% of our income in North America. Yeah. Come on. Come on. All right. I did that now. <laughs> I won't scold anymore, <laughs> I promise. If we gave 10%, we could solve our homeless and our poverty problems in North America. The numbers work. We wouldn't need the government to step in. They wouldn't have to glean 70% of our dollar and give 30 out. just saying. I'm a spreadsheet guy. When we give, when we live out this first fruit stuff, we align ourselves with the very nature and character of God. You all know the verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave. Generosity and giving is at the very nature and the core of who God is. It's at the very core of his salvation, of our salvation. It's the very core of the gift of him giving Jesus to us for our salvation because he loved the world he responded by giving when we give we align ourselves with the very nature and the character of god let me talk a little bit about alignment when i was a teenager my older brother bought a truck his first truck it was a mess that truck one wheel pointed this way, and the other wheel pointed that way. It was jacked up. It had a lift kit and big tires. And I drove that sucker one day. And oh my gosh, what a mess! Depending what bump you hit is where it went. Right? That yeah, was a Ford. That was part of that. But um, ooh, all right. <laughs> That's a little jab. I'm not a car dealer. Or a truck dealer. Um, so <laughs> this thing was out of alignment. One wheel pointed this way, one wheel pointed this way. So when I, do corporate, when I do corporate stuff and I'm teaching about values and alignment on teams and that type of thing, listen, that alignment on your team is huge. It's because it increases your capacity and it, it, your energy level goes up because you're not pulling against each other. Okay? And it also creates a consistency of of decision making so that everybody is in line with the same values and vision and purpose. And so there's a consistency of decision making throughout your organization where managers don't always have to be down and in to make sure that the decisions are made. Okay? So your energy comes up, there's a consistency, your team culture of trust comes up because things are the same and we can trust the same. Day after day in our organization. The same thing happens spiritually when we align ourselves with God. The same thing, it's spiritual alignment. Okay? We come into alignment with who God is, and when we give, it aligns us with the very nature and the character of God. Jesus had a couple alignment issues with his disciples, remember? Remember, he's doing, he's speaking to the multitudes, and the kids start piling on. Jesus is just ministering to them. They're piling on, just like kids do when they feel that love. They pile on. And his disciples are like, no, 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 get away, get away, get away. We have important stuff to do. It was an alignment issue because they failed to see the value that Jesus put in the kids. And Jesus corrected them and said, no, let them come to me. Because this is really, their faith is what you guys need to be after. (laughs) It's their perception, their their receiving the kingdom is what you need. (laughs) In essence, what he said. The kingdom of God is like these kids. There was an alignment issue going on, and so the disciples were making different decisions in what Jesus wanted. When we give... I will guarantee you, no questions asked, you will come into an alignment with Jesus Christ. You will connect your faith with your giving. And I want to encourage you to, to think about this in terms of going, beyond, going over and above, entering into this faith-giving aspect and not after the fact on a spreadsheet. I, I, I love it. I've been in a business leadership group for several for a bunch of years, and, and one of my business, uh, fellow business leaders, their business did this. It was so cool, and I started doing it, and I love it. But they decided at the beginning of the year how much they wanted to give out of their organization, and they backfed their whole budget off of that. Whoa. Whoa. Most of us start at the top and say, what's left over? They backfed that sucker and said, God, fill the pot, bring the people. (laughs) We want to do this. That's first fruit stuff, okay? And I've even been convicted in, in, in myself. I'm being vulnerable now, but I've been convicted in myself like Kim and I have started to build a giving budget at the beginning of the year, not at the end. And we give throughout the year as God speaks. You know, I hear... I talk with business leaders from time to time, and we have these conversations like, do you give, do you tithe on the, on, the, on the gross or on the net? Do you tithe on what you pull out of the business, or do you tithe out of the business? And how much do you give, and how do you decide when to give? And I say yes. Yes. All of that. <laughs> That's the short answer. The long answer is pray about it. There are no formulas when in the New Testament. You see, Jesus, I mean, they blew this whole thing out of the water because when Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit came, the believers went all in. Yeah. Hey, they went all in. There wasn't a tithe. It was what was needed. It was what God spoke to them. Annas and Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira didn't lose their lives because... They didn't give their whole field to the apostles. They lost their lives because they lied that they did. They could have heard from God, and if God would have said 80% of that field, sell your field and bring 80%, there might be more stories about them in the New Testament. But... First fruits giving really is a declaration about God as my provider, my Jehovah Jireh. I didn't say Jehovah java I said Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You got that? Thank you. (laughs) My provider. It's a declaration that I'm going to give my first fruits and trust God for the for the rest. This whole thing, really, when we get rooted in this whole identity of sons and daughters, and listen to me here, because the next three or four minutes is the crux of what I want to share with you today, is if we get this identity thing right, that you are a son and a son or a daughter of the Heavenly Father, and your dad is really, really rich, He wants to unload on you. (laughs) If we get that our dad is so committed to us, Jesus said, look how good I take care of the birds and the grass. What do you think your value is to me? I've invested way more in humanity than I've had this stuff. This identity stuff is like huge because when we understand that God is my provider, that I'm simply a short-term facilitator or whatever you want to call it, steward, of whatever God puts in my hands, that's all. Just short-term. It's all going to go away. The only thing I'm going to have to in eternity is investment I made with that. It was uh, 2007. It was in 2007. I got a phone call. I was on the way to a horse show, showing a horse that I was training at the time. I still remember the spot on the road because when I come to it, I remember it. It was up on Route 22, 222, just short of Foglesville. I got the phone call that my largest customer had closed the doors and was filing bankruptcy. I was in deep with them, a lot of money, a high percentage of my income in, in the revenue in the business and was tied up in accounts receivable with them. All right, business terms, but it means they owed me the money. I kind of hit a panic and I was like, oh God, what are we going to do? And through the weekend, I was able to kind of work through my weekend. I didn't win much that weekend. But, (laughs) yeah, I was working through my weekend, right? And uh, the following weeks and months uh, were scary for Kim and I in business. It came to the point where I was concerned that the bank was going to call me the next day and call my line of credit note, and I was done. Closing doors, losing our house and everything, because we were all in in the business at that point. I see heads shaking, because you guys know what it's like that have been there. In the middle of that, we started getting our heads clear enough, right, to pray. And uh, I'm just being real, because you get jammed up sometimes, and you can't even pray about this stuff. And I, a couple weeks in, Kim and I started getting our head clear enough to really start hearing the Lord on this whole thing. And, I, and I'm saying a couple of weeks in, and it was a couple weeks in, I just didn't go there right away, Um, and prayed prayed that started praying about it. And God gave me God gave Kim and I some some clear strategy of how to pull through this thing. A couple things: if the bank if the bank would stick with us, and so forth. And the bank did. I started my meetings following that. And God God also gave us a very clear word over that time. That listen, I got this. Don't worry about it. I got this. What's coming later is way bigger than what's ever happened. I got this. It's just a season. But I got to do some stuff in you first. Don't you hate that? (laughs) I don't like that line. (laughs) I got to do some. Yeah, that's going to hurt. I know it is. It did hurt. But it was deep identity stuff. And I turned over ownership of all that I had at a level that I never did before. And I've I've led, I've worked, I've given differently ever since that year. In the middle of that year, the, the other thing that was amazing was, was in the middle, middle of that year, I owed vendors money and things like that that I couldn't pay. And, and God told me, you don't have to go through this season and lose your integrity. So I started picking up the phone. I said, listen, I can't pay you, but I still need to keep on buying materials. Like, what kind of idiot would do that? And they sold to me with an agreement because I made that call ahead of time. I I know, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I still have a couple business partners to this day that I favor because of 12 years ago. Um, God spoke to me, you don't have to lose your integrity in the middle of this. I got this. It's going to be okay. That word kept me plowing forward and shaped my identity more than anything else. Because coming out of that season, I realized, man, I got a dad that when he speaks, I can trust that. I can trust that. I was reading John chapter 13 the other day, and this whole thing just kind of undid me, right? Jesus says, it's in John chapter 13, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and did what? Served. Washed their feet. Jesus, knowing that all things had been put under his feet, he had given authority of everything. It was all the power of the universe was invested in this man. Holy smokes, that's an identity. The part that undid me was like he gets up and he washes their feet, the lowliest thing in a household to do. He washed their feet. Who does that? Who does that? Except somebody that's really secure in who they are and understands what the Father has invested in them. You can't do that any other way. You can't give out of first fruits without knowing that the Father's got you, that you're right where you need to be with the Father. First fruits giving increases our capacity for growth and increases our capacity for God to use us and work in us. There is a, I'm telling you guys, there is a direct connection between your giving and your spiritual faith growth that you can put on a spreadsheet and quantify. I I don't know why or how this works, but it just does. Um, Over and over. When God speaks, many times to Kim and I, the same the same thing. Um, we give and we see God's faithfulness. I was um, Jimmy told you I'm on a I'm on a board with Jimmy uh, with HarvestNet. I was leading the HarvestNet um, SWOT analysis with our uh, advisory and and uh, apostolic team last year in the fall time, in uh, uh, in November. And I was leading the day of just kind of taking the organization through. So I uh, through a SWOT analysis of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And trying to get some vision and, or some clarity around a couple of things within, our, within, a, within the ministry. Um, I needed focus. I needed time. That summer, summer of 2018, I probably had the worst job in the history of my career. But it didn't bother me. And as we were wrapping up that job, we had to close out the finances. And, and I fundamentally felt like I was, le- I was legally wronged, um, that I could have fought this in court and, and probably been okay and, and came out somewhere. Um, there were some big numbers involved. There were six figures involved. Um, and, go- and I was like, oh, crap, this is all culminating at, at, at this uh, leadership um, uh, at the HarvestNet Summit weekend and, and, the, and the, uh, the thing that I have responsibilities for, right? And I'm like, this is all culminating. Well, that day, I'm in the middle of this SWOT analysis and I got, a, I got an email or a text from, from uh, my customer who I'm trying to, um, to uh, settle this job with and settle our disputes. And God had told me the week before, he said, Floyd, don't fight this one. What's coming next year, you need your mental energies and you need everything on board to facilitate what I'm going to do next year. All right, God, I guess we'll do that then. So I let the whole legal thing go, and I stepped out on break, answered my text, and said, yes, settled, done. And at the end of the day, and I went back in, and honestly, by the grace of God, I didn't miss a beat. I went back in, picked up, and we, we, we kept on plowing through our work. And at the end of the day, I sat down. I'm like, "Holy smokes, what just happened today?" I could have never done that ten years ago or five years ago. This is capacity increase as we give and we see the Father's hand in our lives. I want to encourage you, as I wrap up here, enter into a faith journey with God, and I'm not giving you a formula. That's not what I'm here. I'm not here on Jimmy's behalf to say give to the church. That's not what's happening here. I'm here to teach the word of God. Jesus talked more about money because it connected to your heart. It's a tangible thing right in front of us. I have no invested interest in what I'm saying today except that it's the word of God and I've lived it and I've experienced it. And I'm on a journey with you of growing Set some regular giving patterns, okay? Do the tithe, whatever you want to call it, but set some regular giving patterns. But then think about the over and above. What is it God's calling you to to live a life of generosity and live in faith? Don't just do it with your money. Do it with your time. Give God your best. Give God your best, and just let God see what he'll do in your life. You know, faith is much more like a muscle than it is a bone. (laughs) Muscles, the more you use them, the stronger they get and the more they grow. I want to invite you into this journey of faith and to one aspect of your finances. Just trust God. we got a rich dad, (laughs) and he's a good dad.
1: Well, that was great. Thank you, Floyd. Again, I, I occasionally I'll bring people in because they live something, and I want them to impart something to us. It's one thing to be a theorist and have theories about how to do this, but we, he we were having a conversation. He said something about God challenging him on this thing of first fruits versus year end giving. He he, he didn't know that we were about, I mean, I literally was like a month away from stepping into the series and I was like, dude, you, you need to come, like, I've never even had anybody really talk about that kind of stuff to me. So I was like, I want to hear this myself. And I like what he said at the end there, we're on a journey together. Here's the reason we're talking about money. Unfortunately, there really are churches, ministries, people, pastors, leaders, whatever you want to call them, who really do have their heart in the wrong place about this stuff. And if I can, the end of them justifies the means. If I can manipulate you into giving and you give and we end up with a lot of money in our coffers, that's a good thing in their mind. I think that's a terrible thing. In fact, uh, we've gone so far out of our way to to not take up offerings. And it doesn't mean we never will. If I thought there was a justifiable cause that I could come to you, but I want to earn your respect through integrity first to say, if I do that, you know it's serious. And that's the reason we're doing it. But but I want to say this, that... um, the reason we're teaching on this, and the reason I believe it's important to Jesus is Jesus makes a very clear and important statement. You cannot serve God in money or riches. Mammon, the scripture calls it. And, and, and what he's saying is, is that one can control your heart. There's no way you can lose $100,000 like Floyd did and then walk back in and comfortably lead a meeting Unless God, the one who led you through that process, you have faith in the one who is your provider. You have faith in the one who is your leader. Then he'll carry you through all that. Does that make sense? That's where God, we're doing all this to get you there. I want you next week, we're gonna look at practices and more practical stuff on doing it. But foundationally, God's gotta get to our heart and say, okay, you've created me for something. And I believe generosity has the highest potential to impact us because think about it. God did so love the world that he gave his only son. When God wanted to impact you, he was generous. He sent his son to pay for a payment of sin in debt that we could never pay, that that the the humanity in in its relationship to a holy God failed. And there was no amount of work that was going to be able to... to, to, That whole old covenant stuff was just to show us we couldn't do it so that he could inaugurate a new covenant and say... This is not based on your works. This is based on your faith. And that faith is simple, that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to die on the cross for our sins and rise again and give his life that those believing in him would have to pay for their sins, wouldn't perish as the scripture says it, wouldn't have to spend eternity apart from God. And all they have to do is accept the payment. And that payment brings you to this relationship that Floyd's talking about that allows him and Kim to be able to walk out this grace to be able to say, look, I can go, I can throw down an extra hundred dollars on a tip and blow a waitress's mind for the glory of God because money isn't my master. My master told me to give it away. So I said, yes, sir. Jesus is Lord of my life. And I believe Jesus wants to be able to lead us. He wants nothing to hold you, but your relationship with him. Does that make sense? And so many of us are basing so much of our life after the fact. Well, I will follow Jesus after I answer all my other masters. And Jesus says, no, 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 there's going to be one master and all the other ones are going to bow. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Would you stand to your feet? I, I, I love giving. I love generosity at a personal level. I don't know that any human, maybe maybe some some people could say, money never controls me. I, I can't say that. But I can say I live 90% of the time or more, free from its hold. And I promise you that feels better than what I've watched so many people struggle with. When money is your master, it's a great servant, it is a terrible master. And it robs you of your devotion to Jesus. It will cause you to compromise in your work ethics, if it's your God. On the flip side of it is, if it's a servant, then you will always choose integrity and followership of Jesus over something else. Because at the end of the day, you don't live for money, you live for him. He came from heaven to earth to die for you. He, 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 he get, When God wanted to get you, he gave his very best. That's what his first fruit was the bible refers to jesus as the first fruits and it refers to the early church as the first fruits of those who believe because what they were doing in the early church was they were loving him that all in approach they were saying as much as you were all in for me i'm all in for you how about the latter day church how about how about the latter day people that are here today he's asking will you go all in now listen i'm gonna i'm gonna give you an opportunity to some of you to to receive jesus today and here's Here's what that looks like. Some of you are hearing this and I'm saying, Jesus died for you and rose again and you don't care. I can't help you if you don't care. If you don't care, you'll face him on that day and you can tell him how much you didn't care about it. That'll be between you and him. But there's another group of you in here that as this is talking, as Floyd was sharing, as I'm sharing, there's there's a part of you that's softening. You're feeling that touch inside your heart saying, hey, I'm inviting you into the family of God. I want to be your father. I want to heal your dysfunction. I want to minister grace to you. Being a follower of Jesus, some of you say, well, all you Christians are hypocrites. No, all those Christians are imperfect. There are people who are hypocrites. They are liars, they're not actually trying. Then there's those who actually surrendered their lives to Jesus who are actually trying. Don't judge someone who's trying as a hypocrite. They're not a hypocrite. In fact, honestly, those who judge hypocrites, I find it funny because they're almost always hypocritical to the very things they believe anyway. You're feeling something poking around on the inside. That's called conviction. And when you respond positively to conviction, Lord, I see it. I need this. I want this. The Bible says he'll pour out the the Holy Spirit in your heart. You know, begin to give you this grace, this ability to begin to walk in a relationship with God, free from the penalty of sin, within, within this thing called grace and the opportunity to grow in him. And he wants to give that to some of you today. Just don't resist what's poking around in your heart. Surrender all of us, including me. I was a wild man in the Marine Corps, lived a wild party, sinful lifestyle. And God began to poke around in my heart, and I said, yes. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to give some of you that opportunity to do that in in the privacy of your own heart. If you're here today and you're saying, I hear you, I do believe that Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on the cross for my sins. I do believe he rose again, and I want to receive Jesus as Lord of my life. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of generosity. I want not, I want to lay hold of that for which God made me for. If that's you today, would you please raise your hand high, and I'll pray for you. I won't call you up. I won't embarrass you. I see a couple. Anybody else? It matters. I raise my hand. Because I don't got to raise my hand. God sees me. What are you afraid of then? <laughs> I'm not afraid. For those of you who already walked with Jesus today, I'm, I'm going to invite you into this. To this continue to, we said over the five weeks when I started this series, could we take five weeks? You don't got to do anything more with your money. Just begin to look at your heart and see what's holding you and ask God about it. And you're on that journey. Let's continue to invite God and fill us with a spirit of generosity. Can we do that? Join me in praying with those who are receiving Christ as well. Say, God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I wanna walk in the spirit of generosity, investing my life in you as worship to you, investing my life in others around me as ministry to them on your behalf. And my trust is you're my provider And you will take care of my needs as I give myself away. As I live to give, I know you'll give back to me. I put my energy on being your follower. And when I fail, I ask you to convict me. Give me grace to get back up and to grow. And to grow through that opportunity to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God thanks for those who said yes to Jesus today.